holy, look at this. This is very, this is very uh, intimidating. This thing's staring at my face. We do the the voice around, like, I'm Todd Lyons, blah, 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 blah. And then okay. you say, and I'm Shanka because you're the last. Try not to forget my name. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. I'm Todd Lyons. I'm Natalie Crandall. I'm Valeria Sosa. I'm Sean Kibbe. And this is the Innovate On Demand podcast. In 10 years, we've transformed from a public service where individual blogging and tweeting was considered career-endangering activity to one that now hosts public-facing professional networking and collaboration platforms. Our guest on this episode was at or near the center of the projects that orchestrated our transformation from then to now. Welcome, Sean. Glad to have you here. Well, before we dive in, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so Sean Kimmy, I'm a free agent. I was part of the first cohort that came in, so I'm going on almost three years as a free agent, which has been uh, a, a real great turning point in my career and a lot of fun. First uh, cohort, woo-woo. Whoop, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been in the government now uh, 18 years. Uh, that always surprises Wowza. me when I say it. I've been in the IT space the entire time. Started off as a, a GT2 and uh, worked my way up to doing really fun stuff. And uh, so currently I'm, I'm posted at the Canada School of Public Service. And we are working with the uh, Digital Academy. Specifically, I'm with the uh, Digital Innovation Solutions team, which supports the Digital Academy in their, in their pursuit to, um, to skill up uh, 300,000 public servants. Um, but then also um, we have side mandates around um, cloud and just uh, overall innovation within the IT space. Lots of prototypes, lots of quick wins, things like that. So I'm fortunate enough to work with really talented people uh, with a clear vision and mission around uh, promoting digital across the public service. So, so that's in a nutshell, I guess that's me. Very exciting. Now, I understand that you heard our first podcast with uh, Sean Turnbull and that uh, you you were interested in some of the points that he had made. Yeah, I heard that. It was so good that I'm surprised you even came and asked me up here. I thought he covered so much so well. He did. And I, one of the interesting things when I listened, like I, I love when you hear something and it, it points out of what you might be doing wrong in your area. And that gave me cause Sean's for- Sean's great at that. Yeah, he, you know, <laughs> he, he really is. Uh, he's good at that. And and it's it's uh, that's why I love it. I, you know, I love listening and, and surrounding myself with the smartest people possible that, that help you uh, rethink what you're doing and how you're doing things. And for me, um, just with the way uh, he approaches innovation, I think it's the way we should be doing it. Oftentimes, though, we might not do it that way uh, with that clear definition of, of, of what the metrics mean at the end, what your potential factors of success are about what your, your, you know, the, the barometers are for, for how you're doing and what you want to get out of it with clear definitions. I think that's critical. It's so important to do. Um, so it, it got me caused thinking of how, how come I don't do that a lot and personally, and then also I'm a lot of times I'm not tasked with it. So I found in my area, it's kind of niche where I'm able to, um, to look at red tape and really, to be honest, just get around it. I, I know enough about the industry of, of IT um, and I have overlapping skills around communications, privacy, security that just help me navigate through some of that. But at the same time, I haven't done a good enough job of, 
of clear definitions of, uh, of what, what we're trying to accomplish. So a lot of times they bring me in just for, hey, this is what we want to accomplish. Here's the end state solution. Go ahead and do it. Um, and I wouldn't say it's a checkbox. Like they're just saying, hey, I need to check off this box. So come on in. I think they, they've been around um, this you know, an individual project or a space long enough where they just haven't seen enough things get done. Uh, which is also, I think, a problem in government a lot, where we we spend some time, uh, too much maybe too much time over analyzing, and we get uh, analysis paralysis. So that's kind of what they bring me in for a lot. And so listening to Sean really helped me give reflection on why why doesn't that happen in in my space uh, enough, and why don't why aren't I pushing it enough too? I think that might be it part of the problem that I'm not saying, hey, okay, you want you know this this to be accomplished, but let's take a step back. A lot of times I'm just like, okay, I'm your person and I'll come in and do it. Um, and I think there is a, there's a room there. And I, I think what I came to the conclusion of was there, there's a space there for, um, for saying, okay, we've talked a lot. Now let's do it. Um, and let's pull from it what we will from there and just get 80% of the way at 10% of the cost, let's say, and let's learn from it and then move on. And so, um, those, sometimes those outcomes aren't clearly defined. Uh, of what you, what you want to achieve, which I think uh, we could do a better job of. But I think there's a niche space there, I guess is what I'm saying, for for more just, okay, we've talked a lot now, let's do something, that's what's going to further this project along. Um, and let's make sure that we're okay to fail, and that no matter what it is, we learn from it, and, uh, and either continue it on or pivot out into something else. So um, taking his, his wise words and his wisdom that he provided, have you... I, I hear you talking, but have you done something differently right now and where you are? Right. <laughs> that was hard. It, it, was only, it, was, it was only a few short weeks ago. But let's so, do it. Yeah. I have. Okay, good. No, I have. Um, in our case, th- there's a couple of things. So, so, for example, right now, just to give you one off the top of my head, over the last two weeks, which have come up, uh, we are dealing with um, uh, VR and VR development. And so what, what we want to do is we're working with closely with DND at this point to create a, um, kind of a course add on for harassment in the workplace. Cause, uh, situational awareness for harassment in the workplace, uh, training, I think is critical. I think you can read something on a piece of paper, but until you've witnessed it or until you sit in it and the awkwardness that is harassment, and I'm not the expert in this, there are other people that are that are in this field that, that do really well. But until you're actually sitting in that, in that space, I don't think it's as impactful um, being written down because it seems obvious. Of course, you wouldn't say that to someone. Or if someone said that, of course, I would interject. But when you see it in a VR space, which D&D has done, uh, it really hits home that the awkwardness of it, uh, you can see how people kind of shy away from uh, confronting the situation, which is probably the worst thing to do if you're an onlooker. So, so that area there for me now, um, before it would have been, okay, come in and create this and let's, let's push it out. Now uh, we're aligning ourselves with uh, with a few other groups within CSPS and saying, no, I don't want to be the business driver. I don't want to be um, defining the needs for this. I want to couple with the people who are responsible, but also urge them to say technology won't be an issue. We have developers in the VR space that will do it. Um, we can have actors come in and, and, um, and help out. And we can get a prototype going that doesn't even have to be released, but it'll give us a better sense of how we can use that. Um, within it and then having those experts compare those results to the people who use it with with what they're getting now and in class learning and then saying is it viable and maybe it's a throwaway which is fine because i can get a developer on this probably in about a two-week span to get them come out with something pretty mature 
not fully mature, but mature enough to give a good test run for. Um, so I've kind of challenged them to come up with um, come up with a, a list of kind of what do you want to accomplish in this, and let's let's not do you know cool tech for the sake of cool tech. Let's do cool tech for the sake of. Is it good? Is it viable? Is it better than traditional uh, mm. means of providing what you want to get done? So, Awesome. Yeah. It's interesting. We have a lot of guests who talk about innovation in this series, uh, which obviously that's what we're here to do. Um, but the, the common themes that keep coming up really are around uh, methodology. How is it that we apply innovation? What is it or what are some of those things? So when I hear you talking about uh, about this, about the evaluation, about the metrics, mm-hmm. um to me, I, I guess that brings to mind the, a, a, a paradigm is I don't, I can't conceive of, of solving innovation by applying a whole series of heavy government methodologies or even light methodologies. But there is still something about how we work that actually enables us to be in a space where we can have innovation and that innovation brings value and has, uh, mm-hmm. has, has something behind it. I think you need to be nimble enough in certain ways, and it really depends on the context. I think it's it's okay to go through the full gamut of rigor and 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 um, deciding what your what your what you want your outcomes to be and what you want to measure them against. I think is good if you have an end to end group of different skill sets, different parties, uh, different interests in the project, um, and they are all on the same path that we are going to create something, and we might not be comfortable with the outcomes. Uh, we might not know what those outcomes are going to be, but we're going to have something to measure them against. And it could be a throwaway, and that's okay too. So if you've got that full complement, I think it's easier to do that because everyone's in the same headspace. A lot of times there will be one or two of those uh, moving parts that perhaps uh, wouldn't agree. That would say, no, if we're investing this, we need we need a clear outcome that's focused on this is what will be delivered. And that, I think that's where you, you get into problems. So you, you have to look at that and then steer that away and say, no, you need to do more MVPs at that point. And, and then just push the MVP model where you can create small, quick wins and iterate and pivot quickly rather than having the longer process. So I think there's a balance there. But again, the, the, the full rigor comes in when everyone's on board that you're doing experimentation. And really everything should be experimentation in the beginning as you iterate and roll out. Uh, but no, there, there is a time where you, I think you have to scale back on some of these things. And it's when you don't have end to end, uh, same goal participation around experimentation and innovation. And that's when you have to kind of, um, you know, choo- choose where you want to put your efforts and, uh, and then, and manage accordingly to make sure that something is produced. Something's produced that you can, you can learn from and pivot out of if, if, if needed. But something needs to be produced out of the things we do. I think that's one of the things maybe we, we don't do right. We think we need 100% of the way there or nothing at all. And I'd, I'd, I'd say that um, that's kind of a wrong way of thinking. I'm curious, knowing you now almost three years, <laughs> um, I'm curious what is the project that you worked at that you were most proud of, I guess. You've been, although you may not call it that, but you've been in the innovation space and you've sort of been in the forefront of a lot of the stuff that's happening um, in the digital space mm-hmm. with uh, the public service. So I'm just curious what's something that you're most proud of. I think for me, there's three. There's three really ones that highlight. So being in IT... You're proud of a lot. <laughs> well, well I'm, I just, I give them all equal merit. They're all my babies and uh, I, I can't single one out. Uh, but for me, like I, being in IT, you love when you build something and people use it. And uh, the quicker you can build it and the cheaper you can build it 
And the more that people use it and that the combination of those factors uh, is the greater you, you actually like it. And so three projects for me, uh, some might remember GC forms from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I created that in a few short days. I remember um, I spent a lot of time watching Dancing with the Stars with my wife at the time. And, and uh, I just did it. Honestly, it was like on the side of my coffee table, not even the side of my desk. And when I developed this, um, it was, uh, it was just a small, uh, open, uh, space for, uh, people to talk within forums. And a lot of people jumped on it and early days, early adopters really kind of took to it because there was nothing else. This is like 2007. Um, so that took off, um, in a lot of ways. And I, I was really happy about that. And I, so for me, that was innovation. It was small, it was light and it just, it got legs on its own and it was internal and it was people, people enjoyed it. And so, so that was, that was one. The second one I think is GC code, which most people might not have uh, heard of or participated in, but it's, it's basically like a GitHub code sharing, but it's inside of government. Mm-hmm. So we launched a, an open source platform for that when I was at SSC um, and that still still goes on today. So it allows people to share, at least within government, who don't want to share outside. And then the latest one is GC Collab. So, and I guess I'll focus more on that one in terms of like innovation and how we did it. I came in with Chris Allison. Um, he had a clear vision that he wanted to release GC Connects on the outside um, and what that would look like. And um, there were a few good people there who who uh, who pushed this forward and I was more just the IT back end I think of Jeff Utram and uh, um, Derek and a lot of others who have since uh, taken the the helm on it uh, but that was launched uh, it it was four weeks we were four weeks from repurposing um, GC connects code to the outside and it was so that innovation was less um, about the IT because I don't think it's difficult to do that there's lots of people that could do it but the vision with the team and Chris Allison at the time was that we would have an open platform that we could share with anybody at any time whenever we wanted um, simple as that and there was no reason why we shouldn't have done it that's what amazed me about that project was I mean every fiber of my you know um, at the time 15 year government career said, this is crazy mm-hmm. and it'll never work, <laughs> but I couldn't find a reason not to do it. And I couldn't find a reason it wouldn't be successful. And it's so interesting to me. And that was my, the first project I did as a, as a, as a free agent. Uh, and what, what's crazy to me now is how it's part of the nomenclature. We just talk about it. Everyone's just like, Oh, we're going to share that on collab. Yeah. We'll share that on GC collab. Yeah. That's perfect. Okay. See you there. And uh, I love that. So, so for me, uh, my pieces of innovation when it's, when it's a quick win, but it's so useful. Um, so the, um, the work required to do it and the value that it has is it offsets so well that, uh, for me, I just, you know, that's, that, that's what it's all about. Uh, I've done a lot of smaller, smaller things, a few bigger things, but those are the ones I'm most proud of. And, um, is there one that you had to walk away from, um, you know, uh, your shame <laughs> 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 or did it go anywhere, but you learned from? Yeah, you know, the biggest lesson I think I ever learned, I was part of the um, Deputy Minister's Committee on uh, Policy Innovation, DMCPI, I think it was called, and they mm-hmm. did a app challenge. So app the the app space right now is, is interesting, and it has been for the last three or four years in that uh, there's kind of an anti-app movement, mm-hmm. and then uh, depending on who you talk to, there's, there's an app movement. And those are colliding. I think I think the anti-app movement is winning now over. But um, two years ago, it was pretty much a 50-50 split. Uh, but the DMCPI ran a um, an app challenge. And so they did Dragon's Den style pitches uh, that people would come up and sit in front of deputy ministers, oftentimes uh, their own deputy minister, and do a pitch of something that was interesting that should be built into an app. 
Um, and the, we, I was there as a, as a mentor to the technical side of things to let people know the art of the possible, what would take long, what wouldn't, cause I, I have background in that space. Um, but the end state of that entire process, um, although there were some good apps out there, the end state ended up being that uh, none of these apps got produced. Um, and some of them weren't even mobile apps necessarily, just websites, but they're all fantastic ideas. And I saw deputy ministers commit to things, um, that just didn't happen and that probably should have happened. Um, not again, not just the mobile app, but the websites, some of these pitches were really good and I followed up with them and I found out that the, you know, that, that kind of clay layer we talk about stopped this from happening. And that was unfortunate. So that's when I see where it was kind of innovative started and pushed, it was pushed as innovation and it just pretty much crumbled and, mm. and I saw good things crumble and I didn't like that. And it's too bad we couldn't go top down on things. That's when I realized bottom up is so much more effective in a lot of instances than top down, which is strange, especially when you're sitting with a deputy uh, who says, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make sure that this, this happens and it doesn't end up happening. And, you know, through no fault necessarily of theirs, just the way our, our bureaucracy kind of works. So that was really eye opening to me. And for me to be part of that and have it have it go the way it did. Uh, yeah, I felt was wasn't a failure. It was just it was something really good to learn off of on how to be effective with good ideas. And um, top down doesn't always do it for you. Hmm. Yeah. And imagine if we could go bottom up and top down at the same time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> wait a minute, you're gonna have to cut that that's, out. That's the <laughs> utopia. I can't even. Val's laughing. I'm stoically still answering the question. No laughing. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and I think that happens sometimes. I, I can't, you know, I can't think offhand about times it has, but. There's a, what I, the best thing I love about the public service right now is there are more well-intentioned people than I've ever seen, top to bottom, right on down. And uh, I've had a good opportunity with the school to, um, to, to meet at upper levels as well as uh, help out with kind of the, the lower IT levels that I, th- I think need changing. And there has just never been a time in government where you have more allies on the innovation space than you do right now. And I, I, I feel that in IT. I hope it's in other areas. I think there are other ones that still need a, a lot more work. But, you know, around policy, um, communications, I just see such great people, such like-minded people where we were fighting, you know, even, uh, what, 10 years ago, we were, we were doing Collaborative Management Day, right? CMD, I believe it was called, where we had people together that talked about how we should collaborate more. And it was kind of underground, but the clerk showed up, so everyone was cool, <laughs> and we had drinks after. Um, and now that's, like, who would have that now? We all believe in that. No one would come to a meeting and say, no, I, I, you can't collaborate with me. Uh, for the most part, right? So, do you think it's because like-minded people and collaborators can find each other outside of their day-to-day work now through mediums like Twitter and other things like that? I mean, I I often wonder if it's the perception, if if it's that we uh, we can now find people who are trying to pull and push the same levers that we're trying to pull and push. Yeah, I think it started out with finding people because we're allowed to talk on social media now. We weren't before. We had to get permission for tweets, I remember. And <laughs> yeah. A lot of people got in trouble for tweets, uh, Nick Charney. Uh, so, um, so now, yeah, I think that it started with that. And then now it's just there's more safe spaces, yeah, right? I, I there, agree. there are a lot of safe spaces and, and there's not too many crazy ideas where, where you're going to get branded someone who's not towing the line. You know, no, I, I mean, think, the, the feeling is much different now than yeah. it was, you know, some time ago in government, for yeah, sure. Yeah, where you can feel you can voice like, hey, why don't we just put this out there and see what sticks or see who comes back or, uh, you know, put it out there and see see but what other areas. You can voice an idea is. that may or may not be good. Sure. Yeah. 
And that's, and so that's, what's the difference. I think it started off with social media and connecting, connecting people. And I think it's just morphed into uh, being part of the culture, which was always the thing back in the day that we knew was that you needed to change the culture. That's what needed to happen. You weren't going to put in processes and policies that were going to push people to change. You were going to change the culture and then the policies might follow afterwards for those last areas that maybe are a little harder to change. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's a really good time to be in government. There's just this giant movement. Uh, the red tape, the bureaucracy still exists. We work through it. There's, there's reasons why some of it exists, which are completely valid. Uh, but there's a, there's a much more critical lens on our processes now internally and at, at high up executive levels that, that I'm just proud to be a part of. It's just a really interesting time to be in government. We do, we don't do everything perfect, but we are so much more apt to, uh, to change for the better now across the board that it's encouraging. Hmm. Let me ask you a little bit about your vision for the future. I'm curious what, if you had a dream project, what would it be? That's amazing. I I would have loved to get a few of these questions beforehand. Uh, (laughs) But on on the spot with that one, so for me right now, and I'm I'm living it, I'm I'm immersed in it here at the the Digital Academy in the school, um, I would love to see the digitization of government properly. Aaron Snow just, uh, well, CDS and Aaron Snow just released a report about a 2025 plan. To, to have everything digitized. You know, some people might seem easy or hard, but that's a really monumental task. And I would love to be a part of the project that takes big chunks of that mm-hmm. and digitizes them for citizens. Uh, you know, the whole Netflix and a blockbuster world and, and all these, I think we, we have the talent to do it. Um, we have the will to do it. And there's no reason why we shouldn't get it done. And so um, for me, it would be being which I, I really am right now, uh, being part of that that wave of digitization of government services to meet the expectations of Canadians. Because every day we fall further, further behind because we're wondering what we should do. And I think we need to go out there and start to do it, be prepared to fail small and pivot. But for me to be a part of that is something that I think is going to be everlasting. And that's that's what I like. And so for me, that's my ideal project is a big chunk of digitizing government uh, to meet the needs of Canadians in, in, in the way they want it to be needed. So when you frame that in that context, it really brings home uh, the importance of the work that you're doing in the digital academy right now, mm-hmm. because how are you going to help the whole workforce accomplish that goal? I feel like even just uh, understanding of what the word digitization means yeah. is is can be really different depending on who you're speaking to. Yeah. And for me, I focus mostly on the IT lens. So the, um, uh, you know, the, the women and guys out there who are doing this IT on the ground floor and like working it up because I think that's where changes started. So there's other areas that are equally as important around user design, obviously user design, um, data, uh, all these things that we aren't doing uh, well enough now simply because they're a little foreign to, foreign to government. Uh, so I, you know, th- those parts are equally as important. But for me, my focus is mainly on the IT aspect, and that is bringing the people who really have an aptitude for innov- true innovation, learning new skills, bringing private enterprise kind of um, nimbleness into government are the people that I want to bring to the top levels and connect with each other. Because sometimes they're kind of hidden away. Because inherently, if you don't. If, if you're not in that kind of uh, hierarchical process and you think differently, possibly sometimes, um, you could be uh, put to the side. So I want to bring those people out. I want to connect them together. And I want to let them know other examples of how people have done what they think they can't do. 
Um, and so, so that's, that's where I start and that's where I want to continue to push to make sure that the, the IT folk that are ready for change and want to push change, um, they, they're giving a platform to do that and they're given a safe space to talk, um, with like-minded individuals and, um, and, and are given every opportunity to push forward without the excuse of saying, well, you, we can't do this because we've never done it that way. We can't do this because it would be against this is to know, let's, let's explore it. Let's explore new ways of doing things. Um, one of the catchphrases I kind of use is that a lot of times we call, uh, innovation, um, doing the same things differently. And I think we should be doing different things differently. And that's the lens you got to look at it, but not afraid to fail and failing, failing small and fast. Um, but doing different things differently is how we have to think. Uh, Chris Allison said at a recent talk that what got us here isn't going to get us to the next step. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to pivot out. And that, yeah, what got us here was a hard fight around culture change and uh, just the whole innovation space. And so now we're all on board, I think, and and, and we've reached a, a critical mass of people who agree that that's uh, that innovation is the way to go and we got to do things differently. So what's the next step to enable that? And really, it's, it's, it's less about incubation of innovation and it's about uh, acceleration of innovation. How do we accelerate that and open those doors and take away that red tape, which has kind of been my, you know, my, my go-to kind of skill set for my, honestly, my last 15 years in government, it's really just been kind of looking at red tape in an objective way and being able to uh, analyze it appropriately as opposed to just uh, throwing up the hands and saying, well, I don't know much about security. So I guess someone in security told me this is going to be scary. Uh, Is like, no, let's look at it. And let's evaluate it against the risks that are currently existing, which doesn't often happen in security. So, uh, yeah, so that's a long-winded answer. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's getting the people out of, out of their shells and, and, and giving them a, a seat at the table and, uh, and to talk and make sure they connect with other like-minded individuals. So you're talking about a full digital transformation. We're not talking, as as Michael Warnick said in his last report, about, you know, simply putting 1995 business processes online. Yes, and it has to, we can't. And that's why, that's right. yeah, we can't just, uh, you know, the, the lift and shift. And uh, there's a lot of focus on cloud now in IT. Yeah. And, uh, the lift and shift is, is one thing and it, it might be good, but really you need to retool how you do, in this case, applications. You need to use more of an agile process. And I think that's the same everywhere. We can't just say, let's make, make this a paperless office exercise. And then that'll, that'll cure everything that ails us. It won't. Uh, we need to think differently about what we're doing and we need to do it differently as well. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm gathering, what I've sort of pulled out from uh, everything you've said so far, you're a big believer in iteration. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of your your just way of being? And, the, and I guess the, the, the advice that you would provide people is to iterate, iterate, iterate? Yep. Uh, MVPs early. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of what you're in, doesn't have to be IT. Come out with things, um, show people things. Think of the user at the end of it. Talk to the user as you're going along. Yeah, it's the big bangs that are uh, that are killing us. To, to quote, you know, uh, smarter people than me uh, who have said this, but the big bangs are killing us. We're we're doing two year projects in spaces where it changes every six months. Yeah, that's crazy. That's like the risk around that. We think we're. We're, we're, um, we're buffering from the risk, but I, I would, I'd say if you're in an industry that changes pretty drastically every six months and you have a two year project plan, you have failed from the beginning and you need to stop doing that make a six month plan and don't make it the, the full Monty for lack of a better term, uh, make it so that it, uh, it's, it, it, it proves something right back to Sean's point about, about testing, make it so it's got a goal of, uh, of, of testing things against, uh, against your assumptions and be willing to be 
your assumptions to be wrong and then iterate and pivot from there. We don't do that well. We don't do pivoting and iterating because we, we need forecasting and we need accountability and we need all these things. And it's really hard to say, I'm going to create something in six months and invest in it that might go nowhere. And I have to be prepared for that. I really agree with you on the concept of the MVP. I feel like psychologically it puts us in the frame of mind of this isn't my final product, right? And I think that's kind of where you have to be all the time in order to work in that agile, iterative, and 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 pivot-friendly kind yeah. of an environment where you can actually change directions or you can correct things quickly and you can actually implement small wins quickly. Yeah, and traditionally we've been just so scared, uh, you know, IT perspective to show the client something we call that's the right. client, right? Which is funny now. It's more product owners and things, but... Um, yeah, to show someone, cause then we're going to be worried. Oh, what if it sets too many expectations? What if it, what if they're too disappointed? Cause we didn't produce enough cause we only had six months to deliver. And it's like, if you're a project team, uh, and you're agile and all the expectations are the same and everyone's well-intentioned, then that won't be a problem. Also, you're going to learn from it. The client's going to see it eventually. <laughs> Shouldn't we be working with them all the right. way through? <laughs> to, to change as you go, for sure. And that's, that's right. I mean, that's just normal now where uh, like five years ago in government, that wasn't yeah. normal. The entire release process and the waterfall methodologies that we used were um, were long. And, you know, SSC's portion of that made it sometimes even longer. And I think they're changing, they're changing that now. But, yeah, we were doing 12-month release cycles. Uh, well, I wasn't, but I was around teams that were. And that, to me... I don't care what it is, IT. If you've got, you can have a 12 month plan. You can't have a 12 month release cycle. Um, that's that means just, you can let a bug sit for a year. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's happened, right? Yeah. Um, and the user suffers. And maybe it's not a critical bug that doesn't stop the user from getting what they want. But if it slows them down, isn't that just as bad? Uh, and I've seen that. I've seen, I've seen a, a bug uh, get worked out in 12 months that, that really a lot of times is a five minute fix that would have helped how many users, right? Um, yeah, so the focus on users is is important, and that too that all, all kind of ties in. But yeah, yeah, quick quick iterations, MVPs, showing early, showing often, uh, being prepared for critical feedback that you're completely in the wrong direction is is what you what we need to do in IT. I think we need to do it better, and we're starting to do it better, which is good. But yeah, great. Thank you very much, John. Thank you for the great advice. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. We do promise to send you questions in advance next time. That's okay. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will. Val won't. <laughs> Thank, thanks for having me. Thanks. You've been listening to Innovate on Demand, brought to you by the Canada School of Public Service. Our music is by Grapes. I'm Todd Lyons, producer of this series. Thank you for listening. Thank you.